of Holy Week. Amen. And this, this is a beautiful week uh, leading up to the commemoration of the celebration. Uh, the burial and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, uh, there are a lot of deaths that we commemorate, but few that we celebrate. Um, and his may be the only one that we celebrate because his death was unlike any other death. His death was our entrance into life eternal. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And he entered once into the holy place, the scripture says, and, and made atonement for all. And so uh, last night we had a tremendous time at the uh, National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and uh, multiple uh, uh, religious leaders were there. I had the great privilege of participating, as did Pastor Lavelle and Daniel of Greater Emmanuel Apostolic Temple, and uh, the president of Xavier University, the pastor of Kenwood Baptist Church, the pastor of New Vision United Methodist Church, the pastor of the Peop associate pastor of the People's Church, and we shared the word of the Lord, and it was it was quite an amazing thing. As a matter of fact, I've told the story before of coming into the, um, coming into the uh, Underground Freedom Center, uh, and my first visit there was years ago, uh, and I was in the parking garage, and as I parked my car, I, I got this strange sensation. I thought, what? Wouldn't it be awful if there was an earthquake, and I'm down here in this garage what if that happened what if there was an earthquake right now and I don't know why that crossed my mind that has never crossed my mind in a parking garage before and it's just so strange and I just moved on and toured the Freedom Center and enjoyed myself and as I was leaving about two hours later I arrived and and toured and left two hours later and as I left the ladies at the at the front desk uh, customer service were talking and I overheard one of them say to the other she said, well, I was on the top floor and the whole building was swaying. And I looked over and I said, what building was swaying and when? And she said, oh, she said, there was an earthquake uh, way north, but, but we felt the aftershock or the, we felt the residual effect down here and it made the Freedom Center move. I said, when? She said, about two hours ago. So while that thought was crossing my mind, I was in the middle of an earthquake. And, uh, and I thought as we declared Jesus, and we talked about being baptized into Jesus Christ, and hallelujah, Pastor Daniel spoke of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And I thought, you know, we might ha have another earthquake right here on the <laughs> Underground Freedom Center banks of the Ohio River. Wouldn't that be great? I think we need a Holy Ghost earthquake. I think we need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost like never before. Amen. So we had a beautiful time last night, and then Friday night we're going to be having a communion service uh, that will take place at the Calvary Church, and uh, there will be, uh, First Apostolic will be participating, Grace Point, uh, of course, Calvary Church, Greater Emmanuel will have representatives there. And we're going to share in the Lord's Supper together. And then on Easter Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, a Sunday morning at uh, 8.30 a.m., there's going to be a, uh, an evangelistic service. And at Sunday, 11 a.m., we're going to have an evangelistic service. So don't be afraid to bring folks out. There'll be plenty of space, we believe. And, uh, and uh, we're going to look forward to having a good time in the Holy Ghost. Amen. But I'm welcoming you tonight to the first part of a three-part series. We're going to be discussing the very important matter of pulling down strongholds. And so we're going to look at the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to begin reading from the third verse. Uh, these are the, uh, this is the second letter of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church. And he says in verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
And verse number five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And we're going to endeavor by the Holy Ghost uh, to cover these, uh, these matters in verse five over the next three Wednesday nights. But tonight we will begin by speaking uh, of the information concerning casting down imaginations. Casting down imaginations. Amen. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we open your word tonight asking for your divine utterance. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that your word will go forth as a flame of fire to purge our hearts and our minds of any false thinking and help us to be delivered, Lord, from the snare of the fowler. Help us to walk and stand in the liberty wherewith you have made us free. We give you praise for this, and we trust you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. The Bible, when the Bible speaks of a stronghold, uh, the Bible does not use it as one word. Now, in today's vernacular, uh, we just kind of combine it, combine the two words. It's composed of two words, strong and hold. We make it one word. We make it a noun, stronghold. But it's actually, in the scriptures, it's two words. It is a strong hold. It is a hold that is strong. And the first time that we encounter it in the scriptures is in the conversation that the Lord has with Moses in, uh, and, and Moses has with the children of Israel concerning the taking of the land of promise, particularly the spying out of the land of promise, letting them know that the land of promise is for them, but that it is uh, to be carefully surveyed and understood. And so he explains to them that we need to go get a, a real lay of the land, if you please, and understand what it is that we are, are looking at. And, uh, and he describes that, the, that there could be those in tents and there could be those in strongholds. He's referring to fortresses that have been built, that are to be able to withstand any kind of, of uh, onslaught from any kind of an adversary. And so, so the Lord was letting them know, when you go up into the land of promise, you, you've got to be aware of the fact that you have enemies in your land of promise. And it's important that you understand that tonight, that God has promises for you, but that there is an adversary, there is an enemy who would like to prevent you from stepping into the promises that God has in mind for you and that God has in store for you. And so when, when we look at this original uh, context, we see that the stronghold is within the land of promise, that it is inside God's chosen blessing for his people. The second uh, area that we are going to reference tonight in the Old Testament, it's mentioned several times. One particular is also in regard to when David went up to take the city of Zion. And the Bible says that Zion was a stronghold of the enemy. Zion, Mount Zion, the place of God's promise, again, the place of God's provision for Israel. It would fall frequently into the hands of the enemy. How many times do we fall short of the promises of God? God gives us a promise, but because of our lack of faith, because of our lack of trust in the Lord, we fall short of, of embracing His promise and really taking it to ourselves. And so a new generation rises up that must take hold on those promises. Now listen, you and I understand that we cannot live off the blessings of a previous generation. Every generation must go up and take hold of the promises of God that he has in store. Do you know God wants you to have joy in your life? God wants you to have peace in your life. God wants you to have love in your heart. God wants you to be at peace in your mind and in your spirit. It is not the Lord's will that you be in chaos in your inner man, 
But it is the Lord's will that you have peace in your inner man. God is not the author of confusion. It is God's desire that you be made whole. That your body, your soul, and your spirit be made whole. And that you are able to live triumphantly in the Lord. Uh, and yet here we see David had to go up and confront the stronghold. The children of Israel had to go to the land of promise and confront the stronghold. And so tonight there are those that are here that you too are going to have to go up and confront the strongholds that the enemy has in your life. Amen. Now, it's just that. It's a stronghold. The, 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 the word strong describes the word hold. It is a hold that the enemy has on you. Something occurred. Somewhere you began to believe something that was not true. Somewhere you began to believe a lie of the enemy. If you have strongholds in your life, somewhere you believed a lie of the enemy and it gave the enemy a hold on you and it has given him not just a hold but a strong hold on you. God wants you to fly. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to believe. God wants you to trust. God wants you to love. God wants you to heal. God wants you to bless others. God wants you to rescue others. All oh, the plans that God has for you. The beautiful, lofty ideas that God has in mind for you. And when you and I do not reach out and embrace those plans of God for our life, it is because something has got a strong hold on us that pulls us back into this fortress of a lie that we were never intended by God to believe. And so it is very important that we understand then what is the stronghold in our life and how do we confront it. Uh, and and it's, it's very important to notice the language of 2 Corinthians. The scripture says that we, are, we do not war with carnal weapons, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty, and they are mighty through God to the pulling down. Everybody say down. down. To the pulling down of strongholds. It's very important to understand that strongholds are pulled down. Because strongholds always have to do with the mind. Always. They always have to do with the mind. They always have to do with the spiritual part of you. Even if you are attacked physically by the enemy, even if the enemy launches a physical attack on you, it is not the physical man that the enemy wants to destroy. The, the physical attack is an effort by the enemy to get at the invisible man. So even the physical attack is a way for the enemy to attack your mind. If he can create a strong hold in your mind, then, then, then he will have considered his work to be a success. If he can get a strong hold in your mind, then he can lodge there safely. Even as you go about trying to do a work for the Lord, even as you go about trying to live your life, even as you go about trying to maintain a happy home and, and maintain healthy relationships, the devil is content with you trying to do all of that as long as he can get a strong hold somewhere in your mind. And he can create a dysfunction in that part of your person so that you run into it every now and then. And just about the time that you're getting ready to step on into the things of God, the will of God, the plan of God, the beautiful plans of God, then that... That, that stronghold has got troops on the ground in your mind. And it's within the context of that stronghold that the enemy has on you that he will order his troops and they'll come bring you back into, into order according to their way of thinking. 
and prevent you from believing, prevent you from loving, prevent you from trusting, prevent you from having joy, prevent you from having peace, prevent you from living the productive, abundant life that God has in store for you. Don't you know the devil has been attacking you since the day you were born? Don't you know that? He was attacking you while you were in the womb. Yes, he was. This is where the whole concept of abortion comes from. And as a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, this is precisely what Herod and Pharaoh were attempting to do when Pharaoh launched an attack on the babies of Egypt and Herod lost, launched an attack on the babies of, of, uh, of Israel. It was an effort to try to, to wreak havoc upon these chosen children that the Lord was going to raise up to do a mighty work. And, and the enemy has had his crosshairs on you. For a long time, long before you were even ready to fight the battle. This is why your parents were pleading the blood of Jesus over you. This is why the elders of the church were pleading the blood of Jesus over you. This is why we hold these babies up in this congregation and say, stretch forth your hand and let's pray a prayer of dedication over these babies. Because we are not going to let the enemy come in like a flood without the Spirit of the Lord raising up a standard against the enemy. Hallelujah. And some of you, the enemy has had a strong hold on you for many years. Things that originated in your childhood or originated in your years of adolescence or originated in your years of young adult life. Somewhere, the enemy entered the picture and tried to distort the way you see yourself. Tried to distort the way you think others view you. He tried to distort uh, the way you feel about yourself. And you end up walking through life. We call them insecurities. We call them uh, feelings of, of, of inadequacy. They're strongholds. Holds of the enemy in your life that are strong. And he's holding on to you and he's preventing you from living victoriously in God. And we're going to cast it down in the name of Jesus. We're going to pull it down in the name of Jesus. You are not who the devil says you are. Let me remind you something about the adversary of your soul. He is a liar. Look at your neighbor and say, the devil is a liar. He is, a, he is so much a liar that he is the father of all liars. He is so much a liar that the truth is not in him. Just as God cannot lie, the devil cannot tell the truth. So when the devil tells you you're not enough, the opposite is true. So when the devil tells you you're not enough, hallelujah, it actually means you are enough. When the devil tells you that you'll never make it, it actually means that you will make it. When the devil tells you, hallelujah, that you're going to die, it means you're going to live. But even the devil's lie can come to pass if you believe it. Because you must remember this is all rooted in faith and it's all rooted in the mind. See, the reason that we pull down strongholds is because our mind and our thoughts are the loftiest parts of us. Our mind and our thoughts are the loftiest and the highest parts of us. You've done stuff in your mind that you've never done in your body. Man, your mind is like a fast-moving, fast-acting computer. The computer cannot, there's no computer processor that can even stand a chance to, to the, the fast computation of the mind. Folks, I'm talking about, have you ever just, have you ever been so tired that you just doze off in the middle of some activity? You sit down after a long, hard day at work and you're just going to, you're just going to read a little book. All of a sudden, you doze off, and, 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 and while you were dozed off, you were the president of the United States. You were running a circus. You were preaching a crusade in Brazil, South America, and, 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 and three seconds elapsed. 
But a whole world and multiple worlds process through your mind. Worlds that don't even really exist. And, 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 it's, and it's all these random people that are a part of your psyche that, that, that you don't even maybe know anymore. You know, your third grade teacher shows up on the, on the crusade with you. And, 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 and then and, and they come driving up with your, your, your high school class. And they're, they're in the car that your dad had when you were five years old. And, it's, and, and then it's, it's just your mind. Your mind is so active. And it's so able to process and and so your mind and your thoughts are the highest and loftiest parts of you. And that's where every stronghold of the enemy exists in your life. That's where they all exist. They all exist in your thoughts. They all exist in your mind. They all exist in the way you think. And so this is why Paul said, listen, I'm coming to Corinth and I'm coming to do warfare in the spirit. And he explains to them, listen, I'm in verse 2, he said, I am, in verse 1, he said, I, in, when I am present with you, I am base among you. But then he went on to say, but when I am, when I am absent, I am bold toward you. In other words, when I am absent, I'm going to say some things to you that's going to ruffle your feathers. But when I'm with you, I'm going to be meek, mild, and gentle, and kind. I'm just giving you a heads up. It doesn't mean I don't know what's going on. I know what's going on. But I'm not going to fight this battle with carnal weapons. We will not come to blows in this battle. It's not going to be mano y mano. It's not going to turn into a knockdown, drag them out, burning of bridges. No, sir, no, ma'am. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds must be pulled down because they exist in the high and lofty places of our thoughts and our memories and, and the places of our mind. And so they must be pulled down. And so he said, this is how you pull down a stronghold. You start by casting down imagination. Start by casting down imaginations. That's how you begin the process of pulling down a stronghold. And so these imaginations are very important to address. Let's look, with, if you will, to the uh, book of Romans. We're going to read from the first chapter of the book of Romans. The first chapter of Romans deals with a variety of subjects, particularly in regard to the grotesque sin and perversion of society and of course Paul was writing to the Romans who had had to deal with that and he was addressing it and of course we deal with it to this day and he made no bones about it it's not just an Old Testament denunciation of perverse lifestyles this is a New Testament denunciation of perverse lifestyles because it is not of God and so he describes Romans chapter 1 and verse uh, 16, I'll just start there because it's a great passage of scripture and he's describing that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness against unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath shown it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So he's just simply saying there, the gospel is the answer. God has revealed this answer to men and to women. And, and, and even the things around you in creation reveal his eternal power and they reveal his Godhead, so they are without excuse. And God, the wrath of God is revealed from faith, from heaven against all ungodliness and against unrighteousness. 
Now notice what happens in verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. And here we're seeing the root of it. But became vain where? In their imaginations. That's where everything goes awry in a child of God's life who is trying to serve the Lord but goes off track. We've all seen a person who is serving the Lord for a period of time and then they veer off the path and they struggle. Each of us know what it feels like to struggle in our spirit and to struggle with our faith. Every one of us have had those moments where we can point, well, this was a period where I was doing better, and I struggled through this period. But thank God you're here tonight in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And you know what? If, you're, if you've had better days than you're having right now, keep on keeping on and push ahead and continue serving the Lord, and God will give you the victory. God will give you the victory. But it began in their imaginations. Vain imaginations. The next thing that happened was that their foolish heart was darkened. They began to profess themselves to be wise, but they became fools. Then they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into what? An image. That's what an imagination will do. An imagination always creates an image. That's the root of an imagination is an image. And so let's, let's talk about that. We're going to look quickly to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. This is a well-known passage of Scripture. It has to do with what we call the Ten Commandments. It's the law of the Lord as given to Moses. And, and the fourth verse contains the second command of God to, the, to, to us. And in Exodus chapter 20, verse number uh, one, God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them. You shall not serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. I'm still experiencing the mercy of the Lord that he gave to my great-grandfather. I still experience. There are times where I experience the beautiful favor of God and I realize it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with a godly heritage that was passed down. And, and thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. God has a problem with images being made. The reason he does is because he knows what happens when we make images? We bow down to them. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, Pastor, I think we're a little beyond the primitive state of making a little wooden image of something and then thinking that it's our, our Savior or our guide, God. It, you know, it, it could be wooden. It could be, it could be uh, gold, silver, brass. It could be iron. It could be clay. It could be... You name it. It could be any number of things, and it doesn't even have to be an actual physical image. It can be rooted in your thoughts about the way something is supposed to be and become the root of an imagination that creates the perfect fertile ground for the devil to get a strong hold on your life. Hallelujah. You know, I've told you that I don't remember a time in my life where I didn't know that I was going to be a preacher. I don't remember a time. Ever since I was a little kid, I knew I was going to be a preacher. Nobody told me I was going to be a preacher. Uh, well, maybe they did. I don't know. I, it, it, I just knew it. I know I knew it. And somebody said, when did you, when did you know it? And I said, well, it was, it was uh, well, actually, I never, I don't know when it developed. I just have always known that I was going to be a preacher of the gospel. But there were, there were times where I had imaginations of other things. 
And as I considered this, two imaginations really stood out to me. <laughs> Y'all just have to bear with me for just a moment. I had this imagination as a kid that I would be the president of a bank. And I saw it, man, I saw it clear as day. I saw, I would walk into the room, I had a briefcase in one hand, had a, had a trench coat over my arm, suit and tie, walking in, greeting everybody, hello, hello, good morning, Mr. President, good morning. <laughs> now those who know my propensity for mathematics probably understand that I was never in danger of becoming a bank president. But it was this imagination, and it was kind of like, yeah, I'm going to be a preacher, I'm going to be a preacher, but let me just imagine. Bank president, Joel Urshan. I also imagined what it would be like to be announced as the starting point guard. <laughs> Lord, help us all. I'm giving y'all some real good blackmail that you can hold over me. You remember, I, I don't know if any of y'all remember this, but I remember when the Chicago Bulls changed the way they introduced starting lineups in the National Basketball Association. Chicago Stadium. It used to be, you know, small forward, power forward, center, point guard, shooting guard. But the Chicago Bulls changed all that. The lights went out and the, and the spotlight began to whirl around the stadium and strobe lights and music began to pump. And, and, and they'd say, and now the starting lineup of your Chicago Bulls. At the small forward, Scotty Pippen. Power forward, Horace Grant. Center, Bill Cartwright. Shooting guard, Michael Jordan. Point guard, Joel Urshan. Man, it was amazing how they were. It was just amazing. <laughs> I'm going to be a preacher. I just want to think about this for just a little while. I know I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. Let me just imagine this for a little while. And while that, of course, is really funny, it's, it's unfortunately very funny. And I was never in danger of ever falling into either one of those snares. But, but in a more serious context, we can develop imaginations about the way we want things to be and the way we want people to perceive us and the way we want life to turn out and we can start worshiping that image. And we can start thinking that our lives fall so short of what, of what, we would expect ourselves to be or we would expect others how others should see us and we get caught up in worshiping the image and 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 folks there's a lot of emphasis on image and self image and how do you project your self image and and there's a lot of emphasis on making sure that you've got your brand just right and you've got your label just right and that that you're projecting yourself the way you want others to see you. And I understand the value of all of that. But it's very important that we not get so caught up in this image consciousness to the point that we become idolatrous and it roots itself as an imagination in our minds. We begin to imagine things that are not of God. Well, I don't think they like me at that church. That's an imagination that needs to be cast down. Well, I don't think anybody really cares whether I am here or, or not here. That's an imagination that needs to be cast down. I don't think anybody in my family really loves me or cares about me. You've got to cast down that imagination. I don't think God really knows where I am or where if God even understands what I'm dealing with. You need to cast down that imagination. These are imaginations. They're not of God. It's given the enemy a stronghold in your life. You can sit around all day long thinking about who doesn't like you, who does like you, if they like you more if you were like this, like you more if you were like that. And it's an image. You're creating an, a, a graven image and you're bowing to it and God is not pleased and the enemy has a hold on you that is so strong. 
And before long, you can't even worship God because you're looking out the corner of your eye. Folks around you. It's an image problem. You've, 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 you've set up an image. This is what Nebuchadnezzar did. He set up an image. And we know why they set up images. So people will worship the image. That's why we really want to have as good an image as possible. So we wouldn't call it worship. We would call it praise. So we could receive praise. So we could receive affirmation from people. And so we get, our, we get our mind off track and we get our mind focused on the wrong things. And we start worshiping images, financial images and, and, and images of, of thought processes that have taken us down dangerous paths. You know, thought, let, me, let me mention two thought processes that create imaginations in your mind that are very dangerous. One is is, and let me just say this really quick. There are spirits that, that latch on to your mind. The Bible describes them, okay? The Bible refers to a lying spirit. A lying spirit. It's not just, you just got to, oh, I think I'll tell a lie. No, there's such thing as a lying spirit. The Bible refers to the spirit of fear. Okay? So fear isn't just a feeling. Fear is a spirit. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Well, if God didn't give it, you know who did. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And, and Isaiah talked about, he said, he said that we, God was going to take from us the spirit of heaviness and give us the garment of praise in its place. So, so there, is a, there is such a thing as a spirit of heaviness. You've dealt with that before. A heaviness that comes on you that makes you not even want to get up, get going, see anybody, talk to anybody. And it makes you not want to think well of yourself. Makes you not want to think well of others. And it makes you want to think hopeless thoughts. This, is a, this isn't just the way you think. You're not just a negative person. It is a spirit of heaviness. And it is creating imaginations in your mind and giving the devil a strong hold on your life. Okay? So having, having, having established that, now understand that each of these spirits have a particular way they deal with your mind. Let's deal for particularly with the, a, a spirit that would tempt you to, uh, to commit and indulge in the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes. This spirit begins to provoke your mind in the form of fantasy. And you create an imagination, a fantasy imagination that takes hold on you. And it has a strong hold on your mind. The spirit of fear uses this, it's this, it sends your mind down the same type of path. And your mind reacts the same way to each of these spirits. And they all know you like a book and they're all playing you like a game the spirit of fear uses its vehicle of choice is worry and so fantasy is to lust what worry is to fear it's your overactive mind thinking thoughts creating imaginations creating strongholds for the enemy in your life. And before long, it went from a nausea to terminal something or other. Because you're so worried and you've got, you're so far down the pike with being worried and being terrified of what this could be and what could happen and what happens if this and that. Anytime your mind starts going somewhere, your body can't go. There's a spirit taking you down a dangerous path. Anytime your mind is trying to take your body, or pardon me, your thoughts are trying to take your mind somewhere that your body cannot travel. You can't go a month from now, so stop worrying about a month from now. Plan for a month from now, but don't worry about a month from now. You, can't, you don't know what's going to happen in a year from now, and you're losing sleep over it. 
So, so, so you have to understand, be not ignorant of the devil's devices. These are imaginations that have created strongholds in your life, and they have a strong hold on you. And you're, you're having a hard time having faith because you're so worried about this and about that. You're having a hard time concentrating on the things you should be concentrating on because you have all of these fanciful thoughts about, about so many uh, so many things that have left you in a position of, of imagining things that are not of God. They're not God's will. And they lead you down a, a path that is very dangerous. Now listen, talking about image, the reason that we don't want to get caught up in our images that we engrave and that we create is because there is an image that is worth worshiping. And there's only one image. The Bible actually tells us, let's look at it, Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, and I'm, I'm not going to be much longer, so just hang with me. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 1, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself, oh hallelujah, didn't need nobody else. By himself, he purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's the image that you worship. You don't worship the image of Joel Urshan, bank president. I don't worship the image of Joel Urshan, point guard. I don't even worship the image of Joel Urshan, preacher. I worship the image Jesus Christ, the express image of God's person. get caught up in the imagination of oh I'm not you know what when you become consumed by worry you have made worry your God and you are a slave to it and it's now controlling how much joy you can have it's rationing joy to you you know you can't have any joy today because because this is what you're going to be focusing on no Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I don't have any other God. There is none beside him. Worry isn't my God, so I'm not going to worship worry. And I'm not going to bow down to fear. And I'm not going to bow down to lust. And I'm not going to bow down to pride. These are imaginations, and they're coming down. These are strongholds in our lives, and we must pull them down. And the first step in doing that is casting down the imaginations. Hallelujah. You know, Joseph had an image problem. Joseph had an image problem. God showed him from the very beginning what was going to happen in his life. Yeah, there's going to be a day when you're standing up and, you're, and your brothers are all bowing toward you. I'm just letting you know that now, Joseph. And Joseph became infatuated with that image. Woo! Oh, Lord, I don't care who wins this argument because one day you're going to be bowing down to me. He became consumed by this imagination, by this dream, by this image. And God had to take him through this arduous life journey that would so strip him of his selfish view of this dream. Hallelujah. And it worked. It worked. It worked. It worked. And we see that it worked because Joseph, despite the difficulties that he had, he was losing himself in the process. And so finally, when the time came for him to be exalted and his brothers to be bowing, he realized it never was about me. It was always about God's people. But if Joseph would have had the dream and woke up and walked out and said, hey, you guys are all supposed to bow down to me. God gave me an amazing dream. And they would all have said, oh, okay, well, let's do that. They would have missed the whole point. It wasn't about Joseph being bowed down to. It was, a, it was about God's people being blessed. God can't use you to bless his people until you know it's not about you. It's about them and God's love for them and God's desire to provide for them. 
Oh, hallelujah. Let's keep on moving along here because I got a little more to cover and I want to get everybody home at a good time. Amen. I want you to come back next Wednesday night for part two. Colossians chapter one, and, and I want to read Colossians chapter one. We're going to read, well, let's go ahead and uh, read verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Hallelujah. And hath translated us. Oh, don't you know that's what he did. He translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom, Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image? That's the only image. You better get it down in your soul. That's the only image you worship. That's the only image you're, you're, you're shooting for. That's the only image you want to be like. You don't want to be like, listen, we don't want to be like Mike. We don't want to be like idols of this world. We're not trying to be like, like, these, like the wealthiest of society, like the strongest of society, like the best looking of society. That's not our goal. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. That's who we that's the image we want to achieve and we can't even do that through our own flesh he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature now listen to this for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him all things were created for him he is before all things by him all things consist he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have preeminence for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him I say whether they be things in heaven or things in earth and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind in your mind in your mind that's where you were enemies it was in your mind that's where you were alienated it was in your mind you were enemies in your mind alienated in your mind by wicked works yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight Hallelujah. And you know what? He's going to tell us how to do it. If you continue in the faith, grounded, settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. My God, have mercy. Continue in the faith. Grounded. Settled. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I will tell you this. I'm grounded and I'm settled in the faith. I can't guarantee if there's anything we've learned, ladies and gentlemen, it's that we cannot guarantee what happens from one day to the next. But I can tell you this. I will not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Hallelujah. He is the only one to whom we look for our salvation, for our hope. That's how you cast down imaginations. You cling to the hope of the gospel. That's how you cast down imaginations. You rehearse the hope of the gospel. That's how you cast down imaginations. You continue in the faith. You get grounded deeper, settled deeper into the faith. It's when your mind starts wandering into things other than the gospel. Other than the power of the gospel. This is why you need, to, you need to speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know what that means? That means you need, to, you need to learn the book of psalms and quote these psalms to yourself. And you need to learn good hymns. And you need to speak those hymns to yourself. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You need to turn that junk off you've been listening to. And turn things, turn a music on that will magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Hallelujah. And let me tell you something. When you lift up the name of Jesus in your automobile, on your iPod, on your iPad, wherever you're getting your entertainment, hallelujah, that voice of praise and that voice of exalting God, that voice of lifting Jesus higher will overwhelm the voice of fear in your life and the voice of temptation in your life and the voice of abuse in your life. It will overwhelm that voice of bullying and libeling and labeling in the name of Jesus and every lie that the enemy is telling you will be silenced by the power of the word of God hallelujah glory 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 and all those imaginations that have lifted themselves up into the fortresses of your mind and they are fortresses they are strongholds and you know that they're strongholds because there are sometimes even preachers can, can get right close to it and you, and you let a sniper get up and take a shot at it. Oh, I got, I got a little too close to the stronghold. You need to let that stronghold be pulled down in the name of Jesus. Pull it on down. Cast down the imaginations. That's the first thing to happen. Cast down the imaginations. Let me tell you something, and I'm, I'm coming to a close with this. Not only do we cast down imaginations in our own mind, but through the power of the Holy Ghost, you can cast down imaginations in other people's minds. This is a, this is a, this is a, a, a part of spiritual warfare that is not to be lost on us. It is not to be lost on us. We are not to, we are not to fall short of this. The Lord will use you to cast down the imaginations that other people have that are strongholds in their own mind. Hallelujah. I used to love doing that as a young man. I used to love doing it. The scripture says, let no man despise thy youth. Let no man despise thy youth. And, and you know what that means? That, that's, that, that is an admonition to young people. Don't act ignorant. And as a young man, that's, I, that's how I understood that. And that's, that's, it was, listen, don't do something that's going to confirm what everybody thinks about this generation. Let no man despise thy youth. So it, I took great pleasure at 16 and 17 years old at, at opening the door and saying, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Please. And, and, and. And they may have come up to me grumbling and, 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 and dreading having to interact with me because they, they thought that, that, that everybody this age was a problem. But I was looking forward to casting down the imagination in their own mind. You can do that throughout your walk of life, ladies and gentlemen. Hallelujah. That's how we bring unity in a society is when you cast down the imagination in somebody's mind. Some experience somewhere in somebody's life has left them with a strong hold in their mind and it has exalted imaginations and now they hold everybody to account to the way they see it and to the way they feel about it and to the way they think it and they stereotype and they hold people they, they, they compartmentalize people but if the church will be the church and if the church of the living God will walk in the power of the Holy Ghost and let the anointing of the Spirit lead us and guide us and speak through us then we can cast down imaginations of everybody we come in contact with. Woo! Hallelujah. You know what I love? I love when somebody walks into the church and they're dreading coming to church because they've been to church before and church people are mean and church people aren't nice and they don't like coming to church because, because they've been hurt in churches. I can't wait to cast that imagination down in the name of Jesus. I don't, I, I've seen people hurt by church. Let's cast that imagination down at First Apostolic Church. When you walk into these doors, it's a different kind of people. It's a different kind of people. Who are we to judge? God rescued us from our own pit of despair. God pulled us up from our own miry clay. Who are we to look at somebody else and judge and condemn and criticize? Oh, hallelujah. We should extend the same hand of mercy that was extended to us. Jesus said, I give you a new law. I give you a new commandment that you love one another even as I have loved you. Oh, what revival we would have if we love everybody the way Jesus loved us.
Don't you know that's why you're here tonight? Because he loves you. That's why we love him. Because he first loved us. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. We can cast down that imagination. Hallelujah. People are scared of church. Cast down that imagination. People are scared of Christians. Cast down that imagination. Love them. Show them the love of God. Lift Jesus up. Lift Jesus up. You don't have to get into an argument. Lift Jesus up. Hallelujah. The church becomes magnetic when we lift Jesus up. Don't lift up your opinion. Hallelujah. Don't give them a piece of your mind. Give them a piece of the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you give them a piece of your mind, you'll leave them in pieces. But if you'll give them a piece of the mind of Christ, you'll leave them with the peace of mind they need to face another day. Hallelujah. Come on. We got to learn how to cast down the imaginations in our own mind so we can cast down the imaginations in somebody else's. Oh, let's stand to our feet and clap our hands unto the Lord tonight. Come on, let's clap our hands unto the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Come on, let's bless his name. Let's bless his name. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Now I want you to know something. I want you to know something. Those of you who are in the fight for your life right now, you're going to make it in the name of Jesus. Those of you who are scared right now, hold on to God. You're going to make it in the name of Jesus. Those of you who are clinging to faith, keep holding on to that faith. Continue in the faith. Grounded, settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Hallelujah. You're going to make it. I said you're going to make it. You're going to come through this in the name of Jesus. You're going to pull these strongholds down. You're going to cast down these imaginations. Oh, hallelujah. If you believe it, why don't you lift up your hands right now unto the Lord all across this house. Glory to God. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, if you feel victory in this house, I want you to send up a praise to God right now. I said, if you feel victory in this house, send up a praise unto God right now. Hallelujah. If you know that the Lord has victory for you, send up a praise unto the Lord right now. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me tell you something. I refuse to believe people don't like me, don't love me. I refuse to believe it. Even if they do, I don't believe it. They can hate me. I don't hate them. I won't hate them. I refuse. That's an imagination. I know what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to get a strong hold on me. I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to get my mind to travel down. But this is, look what they did here. And look how they acted there. And look how they responded to you here. Oh, I know how they really think of you. I know how they, no, 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 no. I refuse to let that image get a hold in my mind. This mind is dedicated to Jesus Christ. This mind is reserved for the glory of God. This mind is reserved for loving one another. This mind is reserved, hallelujah, for blessing, for blessing, for strengthening, for edifying, for encouraging. Hallelujah. Let go of your distrust tonight in the name of Jesus. Let go of your distrust. Let go of your skepticism of others. Your cynicism about others. Release it now. It's a stronghold in your life. It's an imagination that has given the enemy high ground in your heart. And that's why you're having trouble living abundantly in God. Can we do it right now? Can we lift up our hands to the Lord and say, God, I receive your word into my spirit. I receive your word into my spirit.
Hallelujah. I cast down every imagination of animosity. I cast down every imagination of fear. I cast down every imagination of distrust. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to sing and magnify the Lord. While we do, I want you to lift Jesus higher all across this house because there's some imaginations that are coming down. There are some imaginations that are coming down in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. How he saved me. Hallelujah. How he raised Ooh, me. I love it. How he filled me. I love to think about it. The Holy Ghost. I love to think about how it. He how he healed me. To the, to the uttermost. Yes. When I think. When I think. When I think. You got to do it. You got to think. How he picked, how he picked me, up me up. How he turned me around. How, how he placed my feet. On solid ground, ground. when I think about the Lord, when When I I think think about about the Lord, Lord. yes, Lord, how He saved, how He saved me, how He raised, how He raised me, how He filled, how He filled me with the Holy Holy Ghost, Ghost. how How He healed me to the uttermost, to the uttermost, when I think about the Lord. How he picked me up and turned me around. How he placed my feet on solid ground. Yeah, it makes me want to shout. Hallelujah.